Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. advantages that we have when we come to know Yahweh and spend uh, time studying his testimony is we gain a pretty decent perspective and understanding on world events. Back now 20 years ago, in the late fall of 2001, early uh, 2002, as America announced that it was going to invade Afghanistan, I immediately said that this was going to be a killing field. I said it'll be like Vietnam all over again, that we will sacrifice American blood and coin and countless other innocent lives, making a bad situation worse. And that when we are done, it will have turned out as if we had never been there in the first place that we squandered it all, and that it would not matter if we remained there a month, a year, a decade, or two. The result would be exactly the same, that the Taliban would return to power. They would be as vicious as ever. America announced finally that it was withdrawing from Afghanistan, And the news is exactly as I had predicted it back in 2001 and 2002. Back at the time, every time I would explain that this is the fate of America's involvement, I was ridiculed by patriots, mocked by the political. No one wants to hear that we're going to fail that were sacrificing lives in vain. But if they had listened, we would not have sacrificed lives in vain. I said the same thing of, of Iraq, that by invading Iraq, we will have made a bad situation worse. And that by invading Iraq, 
we will have in essence given Iraq to Iran. No one disputes that now. Iraq is totally controlled by Iran. What, what no one foresaw was that by giving Iraq to Iran, that the United States would so destabilize the reason and change politic of the region that once Iran gained control, absolute control over Iraq, that the killing fields would expand into Syria and that that would begin a civil war and that the world would engage China and Russia on one side, the United States and Europe on the other, Sunni against Shia. And of course, it would spill out into Lebanon, which is today in complete chaos, uh, riddled with one of the worst plagues in human history. We call it Hezbollah. We uh, sacrificed in total probably four to five trillion dollars, making two enormously horrible situations infinitely worse and drug the world to the precipice of war. And this war is not just a regional war. It will blow up uh, as Iraq or an Iran either gains access to enough um, enriched uranium to have a bomb, or they unleash Hezbollah to send anywhere from one to two, 3,000 rockets a day into Israel. Israel could stop maybe 10% of that number. The carnage is going to be enormous. And of course, uh, Hamas will attack from east and west, while Hezbollah pounds the nation from the north, all while anti-Semitism is rising around the world. It brings me no pleasure to tell you that I was right about Afghanistan. But if I got that right, when no one else dared say what I shared with you back 20 years ago. You may want to think about what else I'm sharing with you and how that is also likely to come true. I have said that our reaction to COVID and depriving people of livelihood and of liberty will be far worse than the disease itself. And it's true. Now with the uh, the Delta variant um, infecting those who are too stupid to be vaccinated, what we do know is that the Delta variant, while it's much more contagious, is less deadly. And so the world locking down again and depriving people of rights is foolish. I had shared that the ultimate mortality rate on COVID would be not terribly distant, different than the flu, while it was much more contagious. That's turning out to be correct. Mortality is going to be somewhere around two in a thousand, where the flu is typically one in a thousand. But we will have bankrupt the world. We've rendered our, our economy 
devastated and our currency worthless. We're really in a horrible position. The world as we know it is declining rapidly. The world that we knew just two years ago will never be again. No matter where you look with the instability in the Islamic world, with the world on the precipice of war with Israel and with the rest of the world united on one side or another, the rise in anti-Semitism, the, the fact that the Delta variant is not the, uh, going to be the last or the worst of the corona variants. The, at this point, there's a variant that came out of California that now has proliferated through Pakistan um, that is far more uh, virulent. In fact, uh, totally impervious to the, uh, the antibiotics. Uh, not the antibiotics, the vaccines. Mm-hmm. I want to say one of the things on the vaccine. The, now it's about a third of the world that has been vaccinated. Um, just shy of two-thirds of Americans. Just shy of two-thirds of Europeans. Uh, and with well over a billion people having been vaccinated the largest trial of a vaccine in human history. And the side effects have been essentially nil. And the results of the vaccine in terms of keeping people both uninfected and even better out of uh, critical care uh, units in the hospital should they get infected have been way beyond expectation. And the numbers are overwhelming to have taken this vaccine. So if you're among those who is afraid of it, touting it against it for religious or conspiratorial reasons, well, good for you. I hope you die of it. I really do. It's, uh, you're not worth saving. You're that stupid then uh, may the world all benefit by a good riddance. Uh, it's just despicable what you have done. And the very fact that because so many people have refused to, uh, to take it, um, the world remains in the control of the very people the conspirators despise, that they played right into their hands because you continue to empower them. That's my review of the, of the news today, uh, Kirk. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm most troubled by something you and I were talking about before the show began, which is the dumbing down of the population yes. of this country and the world, where it just virtually no one is in a position to be able to exercise good judgment, to think rationally. And I think that's the single greatest threat to our future. You know, I constantly read about how uh, the Democrats are, uh, are promoting voting rights and the Republicans are saying we want voting accountability. And I wonder why would 
why is it viewed a good thing when somebody who is not even smart enough, doesn't even take the initiative to sign up to vote, who may not even speak and read English, who may even be illiterate, votes? What are they prepared to vote on? They know nothing about economic policy. They, they know nothing about the difference between liberalism and conservatism as strategies uh, towards government. They know nothing of the judicial system. They know nothing of the U.S. Constitution. What in the world are they voting for? Why is that a good thing? I just don't get it now. The fact of the matter is, is that uh, I happen to live in a place now where, where you cannot vote on a national election, and that suits me just fine because I didn't vote when I lived in a place where I could. And uh, um, here, the, as I've shared before, the local politics here is um, uh, such that, that it's the one-party system. And everybody is liberal. Everyone is, um, uh, well, there isn't a Caucasian face in the the lot of them. Um, And yet the graft here is world class. The murder rate is seven times the uh, U.S. national average. Folks, that's not the answer. You know, this woke mentality, I'm sorry, it's not the answer. In fact, it's the opposite of what works. Uh, I was reading today about uh, the complaints among the Fakistinians uh, in uh, Israel, the Israeli citizens who are, uh, they would say Arab, but let's Let's admit that they yeah, they are Arabs, but they're also um, Muslims. Mm-hmm. The murder rate is per capita is 15 times greater than it is among Israeli citizens who are not Muslims. And it's not Jews who are killing the Fakistinians. No, it's other Fakistinians killing Fakistinians. And very few of these murders are solved because when somebody murders uh, someone, somebody covers it up. They wipe up the blood. They hide the bullets. They do everything they can so that the guilty party is not held accountable. What a you, know, you know, look what's happening in Republic of South Africa. Oh, wiping them out. With the, the riots and and thousands of people dying, and uh, and the economy just ravaged by the riots and the looting. I should share one other thing with you. Um, beyond uh, the saddest news, of course, is that Afghanistan is uh, is all but gone. There's a couple of cities left to siege. And one thing I do want to share, though, is that Muslims cry that they. Uh, uh, Americans and Europeans and Christians and the what all are uh, killing Islamic women and therefore they're they're standing up for on behalf of their women. 
bullcrap. Right now, Afghani women are running for their lives. Children are running for their lives. The Taliban are ruthless. The numbers being killed are overwhelming. The greatest murderers of Muslims have always been Muslims. And that has not changed. The last thought I wanted to share was the fires in um, the Pacific Northwest. Many, if not most, of the fires in Australia, many, if not most, of the fires um, in uh, Greece, you know, they're blaming on global warming, on climate change. But, you know, the majority of those fires were started, they're arson, by climate change activists. That's how little morality, how little morality they have. Let's return to where we uh, we were. It's uh, uh, this is really a, a marvelous uh, presentation. It's uh, we're studying the the prophetic writings of of uh, Yeshaya Isaiah. Um, he is my favorite of the prophets. I know that that uh, Yahweh said that uh, that the greatest prophet of all was uh, Moshe, but it it was because of the fact that Moshe played such a a starring role in the liberation of uh, of Israel and therefore setting up this whole story that Yahweh wanted uh, told to us. Um, he um, not only was the conveyor of much of the Torah, but also spoke much of it into existence in the body. But there's not a lot of prophecy in the uh, the Torah. There is some. I was translating a prophetic passage uh, this morning that speaks directly of what we're doing. So there is prophecy in the Torah, but not not as much as there is in a book like Yeshaya. So just as a pure prophet, uh, I like Yeshaya. I like his humanity. I like his his fire. I, I like the fact that he's accountable. He's passionate. And when Yahweh speaks through a prophet, he does not use that prophet as we would use a, um, a recording device. It isn't, God says this, prophet uh, writes it down, that's it. There is a lot of writing down what God said, but there's also a lot of God allowing the prophet to see things and report in their own words what they're saying, and also the ability of the prophet to interject themselves into the story. Yeshayah does that frequently. Yeshayah 57.13 is, uh, is haunting. It is a God who has all but given up on his people. It's a God disgusted by Judaism. It reads, when you finally cry out for help, when the time comes that you wail in agony and summon assistance, let your assemblies and what you have accepted, your kibbutz, your accumulation of things, your companions, your holy convocations, save you. 
every one of these meaningless and futile things as if they were a breath the spirit will grasp hold of and carry away. But by contrast, the one who takes refuge in me, the one who seeks my protection, trust and re- trusting and relying upon me, will inherit the land and become an heir to my set-apart mountain. It's quite a contrast. He said, yes. if you're going to be religious, then... See if your religion saves you. Do you want to be political? Have your political party save you. you want to be patriotic? Let your military save you. How many times have you heard Americans say, you, uh, your liberty was not free, it was paid for by a soldier? Not true. But that's what we tell ourselves. So when you finally cry out for help, God is saying... Let your religion, let your politics, let your military save you. Mm-hmm. Now that works out for you. By contrast, everyone who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and become an heir to my set-apart mountain. You want to be an heir to the set-apart mountain. Because if you're an heir, you inherit the family fortune. The big mansion on the hill... It's sitting there on the set-apart mountain. If you want Yahweh's home to be your home, you want to inherit what Yahweh's offering. And to do that, you chasah, ba'ani, seek Yahweh's protection, trusting and relying upon him. Well, bygones are bygones and thus uh, forsaken. Those who cling to the past will be unheralded in the future. How well did clinging to the past, longing for the past, work out for Lot's wife? (laughs) Instant death. Yes. And that's really what we're looking at. Now, the use of Kubitz was really clever in this case, <laughs> all bit uh, biting. On the surface, it reveals that far too many Jews will expect their devotion to their high holy days, these counterfeit replacement religious assemblies, to save them. They will also turn to their beliefs, expecting the rabbinic delusions to suddenly prevail, which I would call insane because they haven't prevailed for a thousand years. Neither their religious assemblies nor what they have accepted are going to deliver them from the time of Jacob's troubles. Their great hubets, accumulation of things, their many companions, their plethora of convocations, the vast magnitude of what they have received from the rabbis and assumed to be true according to God, will be vapor, like the fleeting breath of the religious. Digging a bit deeper, we find that uh, kibbutz is the basis of kibbutz. That was the farming collectives in Israel. Mm -hmm. That was the the first experiment of socialist secular humanism. became Mm -hmm. known as communism and Marxism. Yes. Even worse, kibbutz is from Kabbalah, 
cabal means to receive and accept assumptions which correspond to that which is actually the opposite of what is true. Now that's really troublesome because as in most religious texts like Bible being based upon Babel, therefore Babylon and with the Lord who is Satan, cabal is the masculine form of Kabbalah, which is the feminine. Kabbalah is the spiritualism of rabbinical Judaism. Spaces is found in the Zohar, which was written in Spain. Whether it's socialism or spiritualism, Yahweh has described his people accurately, just as he promised he would. Folks, religious pronouncements are futile. They hold no more weight with God than a fleeting breath and thus residual vapor. There is a reason that God asked Moshe and all of his prophets to write down what they saw, what they heard. Because when you write it down, it endures. When it is spoken, it does not. The Ruach Kodesh, the set-apart spirit, is going to blow the religious away, cleansing the earth of these detestable lies. The answer, the antidote for religion, is to trust and rely upon Yahweh. Those who do are going to inherit the land of Yisrael. That's a big deal because Yisrael is a metaphor for living in the millennial celebration of Sukkah. And that's a metaphor for living eternally in heaven with God. So you really do want Mark to inherit the promised land. Now, I will tell you, I, I have been to Israel. And until Yahweh cleans the place, I'd prefer not to go back. The uh, Dome of the Hopi Print, I think, is one of the great scars on the earth. Uh, it is infested with the religious of all ilks. It is highly contested. Uh, way too many terrorists. Way too many deadbeats who just act religious all day. Uh, now, there's some things that I admire. I admire what Israeli ingenuity has done to turn a desert into a breadbasket. I admire Israeli yeah, in, uh, initiative and fortitude have done to stand off the assault of 100 to 1 uh, Islamic attackers. Um, it is truly amazing. So there are aspects. Now, now, Go ahead. Uh-huh. No, I was going to say, how can people that smart, doing all the things that they do, being as creative as they are, can't walk over that scroll mm-hmm. in that building? I've only seen it on TV, but as you walk in and you can't read what we're reading right now. I'm yeah, you know, done. Uh, uh, Kirk, I, I think it's tough. Uh, Maybe it's just a rhetorical uh, question, but I just yeah, I'm stunned. I, I, I had a uh, uh, covenant member who was posting uh, questioning Paul, uh, the new yeah. rewrite on a website that uh, he was uh, uh, sponsoring, and he had a, a non-Christian, a, a Jewish uh, a secularist uh, that uh, read it and. Mm-hmm. 
And rather than saying, you know, this is a really effective comparison between what God said and what Paul said, and, and thereby using Paul's own words to prove that he was a liar. He um, didn't like the fact that, uh, that my translations were inconsistent with the Mesoretic text. He didn't like the fact that my transliterations uh, used the actual letters uh, to, uh, to provide the transliteration. They're not contemporary Hebrew, because in contemporary Hebrew, uh, they, they will not tell you, for example, that the wa is the source of the O sound in Torah. Mm-hmm. They pretend that, that yes. you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. And, of course, they rely on the uh, diacritical markings. And the diacritical markings quite often are used to take the same letters into a different word. Uh, so I didn't like the fact that, that it wasn't uh, the Mesoretic and that if you changed it, rather than verifying whether or not the translations were accurate, which didn't bother to do and didn't find a single fault in the translations. He just didn't like the fact that they differed from the precious Masoretic. Didn't like the fact that the vocalizations weren't the weren't modern vocalizations as opposed to um, you know, my fact checkers uh, in particular scold me every time that I <laughs> do a vocalization that happens to be precisely accurate of here's the letters and w- this is what they sound. There really is you know, if there's, uh, uh, for example, a yod, you making the I or Y sound, you don't need the I supplied to know how to pronounce it. And I won't put it in. But then it's hard to look up. The fact of the matter is, Strong's has been along, around so long well, that the Strong's vocalization is the easiest for somebody only to use to count, yeah, whether or not search. the words are, yeah, are, uh, are accurately uh, translated. But all of that, mm-hmm. and not a single comment on wow, the arguments here are... There ain't a a debater out there left. No. Honest to God. No, uh, it was all all style. No substance. So you asked, how is it possible that they could have the great Isaiah scroll, Yashaya scroll, in their midst in its entirety, uh, dating to 200 BCE, Mm -hmm. and not go over there and read it? Well, yeah. I, I'm not sure they can. Well, I have this fantasy. I, I go to Israel. I go there. Two places I was going to go. We talked about one of them before, but I'd go there and I would read this. Say, Y'all come over here and let me tell you what this says. <laughs> I look at I get out yeah. of the building. You're alive. Or... Yes. Why not? Well, you know, Man, what's the, wrong with the, you? Two, the two messengers, uh, Elia being one, and I did a yeah. – a, a, an analysis the other day because I, I came to a yet another uh, passage that was talking about the uh, the, the messengers, uh, the uh-huh. witnesses during the the last days and and uh, their role and what Yahweh was going to do to support them and and since Yahweh has only blatantly obviously named one of them, I was debating in my own head and I wrote it all down. Why Elia? You know, Elia wasn't much of a prophet. No. Uh, are you familiar with the the, uh, the prophetic book of Elia? Yeah, he does a lot of stuff, but he's, he didn't write down a whole lot of prophecy. How great! It, I'm not sure he wrote down one. 
Oh, not even one? No, oh, I figured there there is be no one book. in there somewhere. There is uh, no book of Elia. No, I didn't say he didn't. You're right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have that's a right. single that's prophecy. Right. I'm yeah, just saying course. that he didn't write down Brain a single one. There, didn't yeah. write down a single one. There is no book of Elia. And almost every, mind you, Elia's my hero, man. I love Elia, man. I, I, would, I would pay dearly for a, a seat to watch Elia debate. I think he's the coolest, coolest dude going, and he's funny. I was analyzing and said, so why would Yawa choose Elia to be one of the, the last day's witnesses when he wasn't really much of a prophet? That wasn't his stick. His stick was to expose and condemn religion yeah. and to do so in a very biting, sarcastic demeaning way while showing absolutely no, no respect for uh, for political, religious, military power or authority. And he was funny. I know I came to the conclusion that these last day's said, witnesses aren't there to be prophets. They're there to expose and condemn religion and politics. Oh, yeah, it's perfect. And I also came to the conclusion that Elia was so funny, he had God in stitches. And God yeah, said, hey, man, you're, you're really cool, but let's not waste this show on these nincompoops. I know, I know a time when you can play to a really big audience. I'm going to bring you back, and you can play to a really big audience because you're funny. Yeah, Lord knows. So he booked him on the night We need some humor. <laughs> so the other witness is likely to be someone who uh, who likes biting sarcasm, who mm-hmm. uh, is blunt and willing to demean the religious and the uh, the political, uh, okay. and is probably not much of a prophet. <laughs> Not a prophet at all is probably the uh, you know if you're just if you're just looking at the characteristics that, down. that uh, God uh, chose in this uh, regard. So the antidote here, of course, for religion is always the same: trust and rely on Yahweh. Those who do inherit the land uh, of Israel, along with all the benefits of the covenant. As God's children, we will live in his presence atop his set-apout garden. And there is but one eternal, universal, deserving, completely informed, rational, just, and moral judge with the authority to determine the fate of souls. Mm -hmm. But there are three types of souls who will come before him and three outcomes derived from those meetings. There are those who have come to know Yahweh, love him, trust him, rely on him, adore his word, his covenant, his Shabbat, his name. And they're going to be greeted as family and welcomed as God's children by their loving father. No judgment, no bowing down, no review of our words and deeds. We will inherit all that is Yahweh's and live forever with him as Yehudim. Beloved of Yah. Now, the second group of souls, I think, represent uh, those who Mm -hmm. come before the judge that are identified in these words. 
God has told us that the record of their beliefs and their deeds is going to be exposed earlier in the same chapter of Yahshua, exposed and denounced. God says, no problem. I know everything about what you said. I am going to recite your own text at your trial. Good luck with that. The crime that they will be found guilty of is unforgivable. With their cultural codes, their societal edicts, their religious tomes, they led people away from Yahweh. Their sentence will be to endure an eternity with like-minded souls. They're going to be incarcerated with demons and be forever separated from Yahweh in Sheol. That is the fate of every rabbi. It is the fate of every pastor and every priest. It is the fate of every imam and of every dictator who has ever walked this earth. As such, Hebel is breath. Remember a fellow named uh, Hebel? I do. Well, yep. Hebel was uh, Chawa named her uh, uh, firstborn Waste worth, of Breath. Worth his breath or something. Huh? Waste of Breath. Waste yep. of Breath, that's what it was. Yep, that's a symbol of mortal and fleeting life. Spoken words. Yahweh's spirit will therefore seize the mortal souls whose lifeless words have misled others, carrying them away to eternity in Sheol. Are you familiar with a text called the Oral Torah? I'm familiar to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God says it's no, sorry, the, the fakest, yeah. Yeah, a waste of breath. The third category of souls who will come before the judge is by far the most numerous. They represent 99.9, maybe 99.99% of humanity. These souls will have died not knowing Yahweh, and therefore God does not know them. They will have lived their lives uninterested in God or deceived as to his nature. They are the victims of man's religious, political, and cultural schemes, not their advocates. These mortal souls, without any spiritual affiliation, will simply cease to exist. There will be no punishment. They live their lives as they saw fit. Just nothing more. Their souls will die and cease to exist, just as their bodies succumb and ultimately decompose dust to dust. With so much at stake... And with, with this being the pivotal point in history, where those seeking a relationship with Yahweh are forever separated from those who choose to be religious, Yahweh is sending his people a herald, someone to blow his shofar, a witness to the witnesses. Then one will make an announcement, Amar. So one individual will declare at this moment in time, was written in the call perfect, active, third person, masculine, singular. Why go through all that trouble? Well, because this depiction of this timing and the limitation is to a single individual. It comes from 1QISA, which is also known as the Great Isaiah Scroll. So then one will make an announcement. You should choose to build up 
and decide of your own free will to esteem, to honor, and to cherish. Sa'al, Sa'al. You should lift up and think highly of. Scribe twice, both times in the call imperative. Volitionally and genuinely lift up and value. This about face, this turning around and observing the signs before the appearance of the way. Choosing to take action and to remove the obstructions and the impediments which are stumbling blocks from the elevated path for my family. Yeshaya 5714. That sounds awfully reminiscent of the voice of one crawling out in the wilderness. Make straight the ways Mm -hmm. of Yahweh, doesn't it? And it is Mm -hmm. a parallel to that. So there says, God says, there's going to be one that's going to make an announcement. And that announcement is going to be, choose to build up the side of your own free will to honor and to cherish this antithesis of what you're currently doing. Stop being what you currently are, which is religious and political and conspiratorial. Turn around. Observe the signs before the appearance of the way. Choosing to take action to remove. Opting of your own free will to take away the obstructions and the impediments which are stumbling blocks. Well, the obstacles and impediments which are stumbling blocks are religion, politics, cultural norms, the indoctrination of the educational system. These are the obstructions and impediments which are littering the elevated path for my family. What do you think about that word, mixed obstacles in the way? Well, you know, I looked at it about every which way I could. I um, may not have exactly what I sent you or not as much, but uh, obviously it starts out as a stumbling block, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And it, and it also uh, incorporates the meaning of trouble, to fall, and misfortune from uh, Casal, uh, which is to stagger, uh, to teeter. Uh, to um, topple something, stumble and fall down. Then I looked at the letters because I always I try to most every. By the way, just just training. on the idea of, of stumbling mm-hmm. and falling down, what is that the antithesis yes. of? Well, it'd be lowered, lowering, lowering yourself, being diminished. Yeah, no, that's that that's what it means. What's the antithesis mm-hmm. of that? What's the opposite of that? Oh, being raised, obviously being raised up and lifted up. And sta- and standing up, right? And standing and, up, of course, so, walking so, with. So stumbling and, and being down uh, on one's knees is the direction that political tyrants would impose. It's the direction that religious oh, clerics would impose. Um, yeah, get on your knees and, and pray. Right. And Yahweh's instructions are just the opposite. It's an elevated path. You're going to need right. to be on your feet. He wants us to stand up, to be upright, to walk with him. And so the stumbling blocks are the opposite of those things. Mm-hmm. Anything that would detract you from the terms and conditions of the covenant, from Yahweh's name, from his Torah teaching, 
or from attending any one of the seven Moed Mikrei would be a stumbling block. Yes. And, and all religions do it. They can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and nobody questions it. And it's funny, the word, the word is that we, if we uh, have learned uh, so much that when you have an M in the front of a word that starts it, it certainly means to question it or consider or take a hard look at it, which is the mem in, the, in this word. And then, what, so what am I looking at? Well, the cough is the hand. It could be the welcoming you or it could be pushing you back uh, mm-hmm. from his offer. Right. Uh, there's the third letter, of course, is a, is a, a shin, mm-hmm. which is is um, words, nourishing words mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it, consider his hand and his nourishing words so far in, the, in this word. And then you have, of course, a wa that, uh, that can lift, yes, uh, lift and secure mm-hmm. tenpe, mm-hmm. or even fasten. It could be on the negative side. It could be even fastened to the earth or to... To mm-hmm. the matter or to where you are, so it's, it can work either mm-hmm. way. And so you're supposed to consider these things, and then of course the lamb, um, uh, the one that's uh, is the one that's needed to guide us, to protect us. That's what you'd have if you had a uh, if you were a herder, a shepherd, and you have that. So um, so if I was thinking, well, what's the stumbling block? Then I would start considering, well, what are these things? And you know we've this is so repetitive. Of course, I've been reading this stuff about 14 years now. It is so competitive, so repetitive. Uh, he's told you how many different ways he has to tell you: don't be religious. They will, they will take you over. Don't be political. They, they will rule you. You will be on your knees begging these people, doing what they yes. say. Uh, militaries yes. will wipe you out. So, yeah, there's, there's only one letter here that looks in the direction of a letter in Yahweh's name. The Lamed, which is the last letter, looks towards the mm-hmm. Wa, which is a letter in yes. Yahweh's name. But the Shen, the Kaf, and the Mem are directionless. Mm-hmm. So there, That's true. this is that. so that the shepherd there is properly guided, but the words are directionless. Uh, the, uh, the hand is directionless. And the waters are directionless. So this is a uh, um, something like the stumbling blocks would be that which, which in the right context could be a positive thing, but in the wrong context would be a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's that kind of uh, word. These, you know, it's it's not a stumbling block if it is uh, a, a tank with a howitzer on the, at the top pointed uh, at your forehead. That is not a stumbling block. You know, a, an Apache helicopter with a Gatling gun blazing, it's not a, um, a stumbling block. Uh, a raging forest fire is not a stumbling block. These things are in your face. They're known. They're scary. Yeah. You don't stumble. No, you don't have to question those things. No, you, you don't, don't have to question think about those things. You don't stumble no. over them. A stumbling block is something you don't suspect. It looks like the yes. rest of the way. Yeah, that's in but the night when because you, you don't you suspect trip. it, you don't see it mm-hmm. for what it is. You trip over it. Yeah, that's a good. And point. that's what that's all of point. these letters that are just uh, directionless, as it relates to the letter in Yahweh's mm-hmm. name, position uh, mm-hmm. are. They're uh, they're the kinds of things that you don't suspect. 
the religious say, well, you know, uh, Jesus uh, is, uh, it was in prophecies, and, and so he must be the son of God, because there's a son of God in prophets, and the prophets, there's a Messiah in the prophets, so he must be these things. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he's Stumble. not. But they've stumbled over something that, that they thought was true, because it is true, just misappropriated. So I think that is the nature of a stumbling block. It's that which purports to be true, that fools people as being true, but is not. Same game. Now, Eli himself is going to make this announcement. He is part of a team of two witnesses. And thus, he's not a single individual. Uh, And so, since we are not told if this particular announcement is being made preceding the time of Jacob's troubles or in the midst of it, I suspect that it will be made prior to the arrival of the two witnesses. Because if it's the witnesses that are saying this, then it wouldn't be third person masculine singular. So I think this pronouncement, God is announcing it in advance of the uh, the arrival of the two witnesses. The, we're not told who the second one is. So we're not told when the second one's going to arrive. But we know that Elia is going to arrive on Passover in 2030. So I think this is prior to 2030. Now, Yah mm-hmm. was returning. You can mark it on your calendar. The date is Yom Kippurim, the day of reconciliations in year 6000 Yah. That's as the sun sets on October 2nd, 2033 in Jerusalem. Therefore, the time remaining to heed this announcement, to choose of your own volition, to cherish and honor God's way, to do an about face and prepare yourself for his appearance, he is really short. This is among the final notices that Yahweh's people will be given to come home and maybe the last blast of the shofar. It is not going to sing out, call Yah's people home for very much longer. So join me in becoming part of the solution, removing the impediments, blocking the way. Clear the path home of religious and political obstacles. If you do, you're going to live alongside the one who made this pronouncement. We have Yahweh's word on it. He said, for indeed, thus says the one who lifts up and the one who carries away those he has forgiven, who lives forever as an eternal witness, the one whose name is set apart. He will dwell in the set apart heights of the heavens, along with those slandered for having unpretentiously regretted and corrected their mistakes, in addition to the spirit of the humbled and abased. The spiritually abused will be revived and restored, while invigorating and enlivening the heart, mind, and soul of the unpretentious and contrite, the slandered, 
who are criticized and corrected. It is... uh, um, an important thing that we come to appreciate the fact that those who dwell in heaven with Yah are not going to be people who have been right from the beginning. Now, there was one of those that I'm aware of. Dode, with eight years old, was maybe seven, was immersed in Yahweh's set-apart spirit and anointed, and while he had some wayward moments later in life, he got a pretty good head start. Uh, Yermiyaz, another one, Mm -hmm. started uh, really young. But for the most part, that's just not the case. Abraham was not that way. Moshe most certainly was not that way. And so we're all going to have come from a mistaken past. Mm Mm-hmm. I certainly have. I was political. I was uh, religious. And so um, God's saying here that heaven will be filled with those who unpretentiously regret Mm -hmm. what they have said that was untrue and yet have gone the next step and have been willing not only to accept that he or she was wrong, but to correct their mistakes. God is also recognizing that if you speak for him, you're going to be criticized. It just goes with the territory. If we were living in a different time, our voice would have been quelled. Squished. Yeah, Yeah, immediately. We'd have been tortured and killed. Now we're just mocked. This is it's an interesting state. He's not saying that the uh, the highfalutin, the uh, which would be the popes of the world, the presidents, the uh, uh, pastors of mega churches. He's not saying that heaven's going to be filled with them. No, no. Heaven's going to be filled with those who know they were wrong and were willing to correct their mistakes. Those who have been ridiculed. For telling the truth. Well, he's welcome. But, if if Dakar is a mistake, you know, and, and correct any mistakes made by these people, us and people like us, then uh, it's even the pictures demonstrate that. I mean, the the, the door and there's a hand welcoming you when you cross through the door to uh, the one who has authority, which is the Aleph. So I mean, it's uh, nothing is blocking it. All you have to do is walk through the door. And you shed you shed that when you walk through that Pesach door in Moscow. That is correct. Follow up with Moscow. That is so, correct. Yeah, it's, uh, it's revealed there. It's, it's, it's in the letters. It's okay. So that, hey, I, I gave money, so much money every month, thousands, <laughs> to yeah. spread that damn Polish crap all over the world. So, yeah, yep. I, I got a lot, of, yeah. a lot of dirt on my, my suits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. So, but now, there, not there, forever. There are two ways that we could render the opening statement of this prophecy. It is either Yahweh affirming that he is above the fray, high and lofty, which, while true, i kind of out of character for God. Mm-hmm. Um, or he is affirming his role as our Savior, willing to get down uh, here with us so that he can lift us up. Now, I prefer the, the latter, 
and have therefore translated room and NASA as Yahweh offering to lift up and carry away those he has saved. As such, Yahweh is our living and eternal witness, the one whose name matters. Now, the second statement is then best understood in context. The one who Yahweh is lifting up and carrying away so that he can live in the elevated dimensions of heaven is the one who has or will proclaim the previous statement. This being the case, the implication is by responding to it, others will follow. And that's the purpose of the pronouncement. I was translating a passage uh, this uh, morning from the Torah. Mm-hmm. And in this passage, uh, Yahweh is, uh, is saying a couple of things. He says that, that everyone should contribute to the relationship in a manner that is consistent with their ability and that is also consistent with Yahweh's extolling what they're doing, consistent with Yahweh blessing what they're doing, making what they're doing productive and useful. And doing so for the benefit of the relationship and for his people is what uh, Moshe says in Dabadim. And so there's two aspects of this that struck me, and it resonates with me here, is that God wants us to capitalize on whatever our gifts may be. Whatever attributes that we have, he's expecting that we make a contribution to the family. We don't all have to do the same thing. We're, God's not saying we're all equal. In fact, he's saying we're quite different. And because we're different, a, a different amount's going well, to be fine. expected from us. If God is saying a lot about what we're doing, then we have an obligation to him to do a lot. Because God's not going to say a lot about what we're doing unless what we're doing is important to him and to his people. And so if he says a lot about what we're doing and speaks of it positively and of his contribution to it, and it becomes prolific, then it's our responsibility to be devoted to that mission. Because God is telling us in the Torah that he is going to speak highly of and promote and equip certain individuals based upon their unique attributes such that his people become more aware of the relationship he intends for them to enjoy. Now, that's a very interesting thought that we really had not previously considered, which is we we all approach this um, anonymously. If you read the introduction to any one of the the books uh, prior to just a couple of years ago, every one of them said, you know, uh, call me Yada, I'm an irrelevant character. 
It's like, mm-hmm. you know, call me Ishmael in Moby Dick. Uh, Ishmael was a third person uh, or first person narrator who was a minor player in the story. Uh, and being anonymous is really cool. You get to share what you learn. You you get to go learn and uh, um, and and write with, and you can't even be attacked because nobody knows who you are. <laughs> being anonymous <laughs> is really really cool. Uh, uh, being known is not because then you become a target. Yeah. But what God is saying is, if I'm going to go about saying things about what you're doing prophetically, then you owe it to me to do it well. And that if you're not willing to acknowledge, just because it makes you uncomfortable not to be anonymous anymore, mm-hmm. get over yeah. it. Because it ain't about you. It's about my people. Well, they have to di- identify with the person that's talking. They just do. They have to know who's, who, am we, and, who am I supposed to be listening to. Right. That's what I and, that's what he, and that's the point Yahweh was making. He is not – listen, Dode's name is mentioned over a, thou, or, or over a thousand times. Moshe's mm-hmm. name over 700 times. So that's a really strong indication that if we want to avail ourselves of all that Yahweh has to offer – we ought to listen to Dode and Moshe, and of course, foremost to Yahweh, whose name is mentioned seven thousand times. So, if God's going to call you out and speak about what you're doing, like He did with Dode and like He did with Moshe, the purpose is He's telling us to listen to them. We can trust what they have to say. Now, while it's in a different league entirely, the point is still the same which is if God's going to prophetically speak about something we're doing, he's only doing it because he wants his people to listen. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want his people to say, I don't like the style of the transliterations. That's not what he's looking for. No, no. The information is correct. Get, Get... capitalize on the information so that you can make a good decision as opposed to being a style critic. That's what God is saying. Comforting. Yes. Now, the second statement here is best understood in context. And uh, as I say, the, the thing we want to remember is that nothing God says is singular. Now, it sounds like I'm contradicting myself because this messenger was third-person masculine singular. Uh, Dode is obviously masculine singular. Moshe, masculine singular. Um, Deborah, uh, feminine singular. Uh, Sarah, feminine singular. The set-apart spirit, feminine, singular. But what God is saying through them is if we do what uh, he asked Abraham to do, Mm -hmm. we'll receive the same result. 
if we do as Dode did, we're going to receive the same result. If today people pay attention to what Yahweh's witness is proclaiming about removing the stumbling blocks, mm-hmm. then they're all going to end up in the same place, which is heaven. So the one is being used as an example of what God can do for all of us. You know, it's yes, there was one Jacob, but look how many of his descendants ultimately will end up in the covenant. Now, in this particular statement, Marum was translated heights of heaven. It speaks of considering the implications, the ma, of rising on high, room, of being afforded greater dimensionality. That's a really good thing because we're stuck yeah. at three and a half dimensions and Yahweh is seven. Yeah. Those so blessed will be esteemed by God. And there's no way to overemphasize the importance of dimensionality, of how magnificent the increase is from three and a half to being operational in all four dimensions that we understand and know. And by the time you add the infinite increase of the fifth and the sixth and ultimately the seventh dimension, it is essentially infinity times infinity times infinity times infinity beyond where we are now. This is what God is offering us. Now, I'm less confident about my rendering of the third stanza of this prophetic statement because it appears self-serving. It seems to be saying that God appreciates the spirit of those who recognize that they were wrong and who have striven to correct their mistakes. If so, I'm relieved because being contrite in this way and correcting my mistakes defines not only this stage in my life, it defines this, this stage and many of the covenant members' lives. Mm -hmm. Most of us were lost in religion. Most of us were enmeshed in politics. I was once patriotic and said and did many things that I regret. And even since then, it has been seven steps forward and one back. This is now the eighth and the most comprehensive edit of yada yada. In fact, it's a complete rewrite. Uh, in fact, I'm in the last chapter of Sukkah now. And what I find is when I look at my commentary, I'm not rewriting it. I'm replacing it. Yeah. I mean, there's the translations are surprisingly um, more robust and complete, and the, as we should expect, this is now 12 years, I think, 10 to 12 years since the last uh, edit passed. My goodness, look what we've learned over that period of time. So our insights should be... Couple of years. Yes, particularly in the last couple of years. So our understanding is growing at an exponential fashion. 
Agreed, yes. So recognizing that uh, when we're through, the Covenant family and I will have retranslated and rewritten 25 volumes to correcting our DACA. Uh, that's that's a lot pretty of amazing. DACA. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of DACA to correct. Uh, and but it's a joy to correct it and to get it right and to and to be able to share new insights along the way. Uh, to find, and most of it, by the way, is not that we were wrong. I mean, I I was wrong on certain things. Uh, this most recent edit, we're we're doing a lot of replacing um, uh, Dode for Yosha, because the Son mm-hmm. of God and the Messiah is uh, and the returning us, um, King is Dode, and so we mm-hmm. there's a fair amount of that that uh, that is going on, but for the most part it's really going beyond where we were. Um, and so there, most of our mistakes were not by commission, they were by omission. And it's probably true that I was, um, because I understood it so much better, that I spoke a little too much about what was wrong with Christianity and not nearly as much as what was wrong with Judaism. And so we're mm-hmm. also correcting uh, that as well. Now, uh, this known, uh, the path to Chaya, to restoration and renewal, it's really a delight. Every moment with the spirit and with the word is uplifting. It's liberating. It's enlightening. It's inspiring. Now, we talk a lot about uh, Jackie on these programs because she has plays such a role and contributing to the website that David has uh, has built, yadayad.com. It is it's beautiful. And uh, she does so much work for us, not only in editing these books, but in, in also presenting them at uh, Amazon in their various uh, forms. Uh, and it doesn't matter what we ask her to do. She loves it. And I think it's true with everybody that is part of the Covenant family. It is a great joy. Um, I think so. That's the impression I get. Yeah, and we do it all on behalf of those the world has abused. Um, A good friend, uh, our mutual good friend, uh, Dr. Jeff. Mm -hmm. uh, Yes. He, for years, was uh, hounded, abused, really by mm-hmm. a college buddy, mm-hmm. a fellow that uh, was constantly condemning him for turning to the Torah and reading itself, for saying Yahweh's name, for recognizing uh, what the prophets actually said, um, and therefore for being critical of, of rabbinical Judaism and of, of Jews, and instead chosen to be, uh, to reestablish a covenant relationship with Yah. And it, Dr. Jeff is uh, ethnically Jewish. And so this, this college buddy of him was just constantly harassing him for, um, for turning away from Judaism and telling him how horrible that was. Um, when the uh, collapse of the building, the seaside uh, um, condominium complex fell, 
that fellow had um, just visited Dr. Jeff, had um, a meal with him, and had headed down to Miami to spend the night with a friend, uh, maybe even a relative. Brother. And he died in that, yeah, died in that, uh, yeah, uh, brother, died in that uh, condo uh, complex. Uh, you know, it's, if you are particularly Jewish and you turn your backs on the rabbis as Yahweh is begging his people to do, they will abuse you. So when God says that heaven is filled with those who have been abused, he knows what he's saying because the rabbis are ruthless on uh, on anyone who would leave rabbinic Judaism. Mm-hmm. So all along, uh, Kirk, I would say my only regret now is that I didn't begin sooner and that I uh, wasn't smarter, that I was unable to work faster. Now, that might sound contradictory to say my only regrets are that uh, I, I wasn't very smart. I, I, uh, I began too late and I didn't work very fast. The fact of the matter yeah. is, if I hadn't been religious, if I hadn't been political, I don't think you I could have done this. I wouldn't have known no. the subject matter. I, you need... Well, you don't need. Uh, if you're going to be an uh, an Elia, then you need to know about the religion that you're opposing. Mm-hmm. That's why he was so effective in demeaning them. That's why he was so effective in going against the the political leaders of uh, Yehuda. He understood them, and so uh, sometimes. Being in the fray and then coming to realize that you're wrong, uh, like Moshe, he was uh, um, essentially royalty within Egypt, recognized it was wrong and walked away. Therefore, he understood the beast that he was freeing his people. So, speaking of Moshe, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, like Moshe, I think it is important to. Uh, to be able to walk away uh, from politics and religion, if we're going to be able to do this uh, do this job, um, and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, you know, one of the things that is just so uh, challenging sometimes is is you know here we are in the uh, in the midst of doing all of this. And my computer just crashed. You don't know. Uh, now? Yeah, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The files that we're, uh, we're um, dealing with, yeah, they're, um, they all just disappeared. And um, it's just no, no particular reason. I just decided, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to go down. And it's it's one of those things where where if you're trying to convey Yah's message, you don't say, "Well, um, that's it, folks. Uh, we're uh, we're done." No, what you do is to say, All right, "What was it 
about these characters that God chose. That God's speaking of his witnesses now, someone who is going to prepare his people for his return. And the very mm-hmm. first thing that you think about is, who did this better than anyone? And the answer, of course, right. is, uh, is Moshe. And what was it about Moshe? Well, he had been there. He, he knew that his, the religious and political and economic and military culture of Mitzrayim, Egypt, was wrong. And so he was willing to oppose it. He was willing to attack it because he knew it was wrong. And that's something we can all benefit from it. It means also that if you're somebody late in life and you come to learn the truth about Yahweh and and choose to be part of his covenant, the fact that you had been in a church or a synagogue or that you had been part of a political party, so long as you understand that you shouldn't be affiliated with those things anymore and understand why they're wrong, then it's actually a benefit and not a liability because it makes you a much more effective uh, witness towards God. Yeah, you know, the inside scoop. Exactly. You know, we were at a church that had a Bible collection second to none. I'm not talking about the Torah, even though we had some, uh, I think it was a 14th century Torah uh, and so forth, uh, and we had all kind of books that you you only read about and only have a few in the, in the world, and we had them. So when you talked about that in Yada Yah the first time, first run through, which goes back 14 years ago, how, well, that was the first edition of the second, probably the first, I think. Uh, when I read it, within the first 50 pages, I, I knew so much about that stuff, that I, and then you gave me a different take on it, and I said, oh, gosh. I mean, it resonated immediately. So I don't regret, I mean, I regret a lot of things about it. I'm sorry I did it, but I don't regret what I learned because it's, it was like connecting the dots. I had so many gaps, and, and Yachty Yachty right. Field connected so many of them. I just went, wow, 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 I am so stupid, and I couldn't put the book down yes. for a year. Yeah, uh, I remember. And then I cried, uh, I, with it, cried at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Read yeah, it again. It is, uh, it is true. What we are doing is we're speaking about the, the things that we have chosen or we have been indoctrinated to believe that are not uh-huh. true and exposing them for what they really are and at the same time revealing the truth as it is shared by Yahweh and all the pieces just fit into place. Yeah. That if we weren't learning, mm-hmm. life would become right. boring, wouldn't it? So oh, yeah. the purpose of, uh, of exploring and of, of living life this way is to grow. And the greatest joy of learning is teaching. You know, if you want to go from knowing something to understanding it, go from learning to teaching, and it'll do it for you in a, in a heartbeat. So as this suggests, we are part of the process of restoring souls when we learn and share. And no people in all of human history have been as abused and abased as Yehudim. But this will soon change. This transformation will not occur because of a change in God's approach, 
but instead in man's approach to God. When we stop being contentious with him, well, then he can refrain from being contentious with us. This is Yeshaya 57, 16. For I will not quarrel, contend with, or plead forever. Nor will my righteous indignation be unending. Indeed, before my appearance, before my appearance, contact with and ebb away, along with the conscience, the nasama, I have acted upon and endeavored, endeavored to engage. Now, Kirk, this, uh, this affirms that we are indeed approaching the end. Mm-hmm. when God is going to cease contending with the religious and political. For that to occur, they will cease to exist because neither God nor man is ever going to change. So Yao is tired of being disappointed, and who can blame him? But that's not the biggest part of this, not to my ears. The biggest okay. part of this is something that we have been shouting for at least a decade now. People are being so dumbed down by political correctness and now uh, woke mentality and by uh, a critical race theory and a a, a progressive notion and conspiracies. Nobody can think anymore. I watch people you know, working on the restoration of this house, and I, I just walk away, and, and you're going, how is it that they don't see the obvious? Don't just don't get it. Oh, and this is their job. It's been a week. Yeah, yeah, I know. And this is their job. And we're constantly confronted with this. So what God is saying here, that before his appearance, the spirit is going to ebb away. I want to tell you, reach out to God, get to know him, accept the covenant while the getting is still good, because the time is fast approaching. When if you're not Yisrael and you're not exceedingly devoted to walking away from the rabbis and reaching out to God and accepting the terms and conditions of the covenant, you aren't going to find him. You're doomed, truly. And also what he's saying is that our Nasama is ebbing away. That the spirit is no longer going to reach out and try to make contact with us through our ability to exercise good judgment, through this cognitive, ethical, and moral capacity to being discerning, to distinguish between right and wrong. It is dying within humanity. And it's dying quickly. We have indoctrinated generations now in the West of men and women who just can't think, who don't have a moral compass, who don't know the difference between right and wrong, who couldn't debate an issue if their lives depended on it, that are so easy to fool. And God said, that's exactly what's going to happen before his return. And that he has driven to act upon and endeavored to engage our Nasama. His spirit 
has done so. But she is ebbing away, as is the conscience of man. Now, we're approaching the end, as I've shared. God is going to cease contending with humankind. Uh, He's just had it with rabbinic Judaism in particular, with Christianity, with Islam, with socialist secular humanism, of man full of himself. Now, the closing statement, though, as we said, with the ebbing away of the Nisama and the withdrawal of the Ruach Kodesh prior to Yah's return, that's sobering. Um, It's scary. It is scary. It's because um, it it tells you that there are not going to be a lot of people who are Mm. populate the millennial Shabbat uh, upon uh, Yah's and Doge return. and all we can do is to hope that over the next nine years, in particular, between now and the time that uh, Elia arrives, that this word gets out and that readers take it to heart and that listeners take it to heart and they uh, approach God on his terms. It seems to me that she is leaving, the Ruach Kodesh is leaving um, prior to or at the time they're, they're showing up. Is that correct? Is that what he's yes. saying? Yeah. Yeah. Without, without a functional Nisama, God's unknowable. Yeah. We humans become savages. We're animals. And, we do yeah. what, what's happening around the world. It has begun to fail in the preponderance of people, especially in the overtly political and religious and certainly in the conspiratorial and unfortunately among those younger than 30. Uh, You know, to have 30% of the world, including those on the West where information is ubiquitous, where education Mm -hmm. is mandatory. Thinking that the COVID vaccine is some kind of control mechanism or tracking mechanism or or curse and that it's counterproductive just tells you how deprived we have become and capable we have become of rational Mm -hmm. thought. All of these conspiracies, the building seven of uh, the World Trade Center being an inside job of of uh, condensation trails being chemtrails, of vaccines being control mechanisms to uh, do all manner of terrible things to uh, to people, of of, uh, of reptilian overlords and flat earth, and uh, of blame the Jews. That's always a favorite. That's the yeah, that's the bottom line, isn't it? It is, and so. With conspiracy being the fastest growing religion in the world, it has rendered people incapable of rational thought. You could provide, I mean, we did a whole series of shows debunking every oh, yeah. one of the conspiracies with evidence and reason. It was irrefutable. Yeah. But no, they were I more recall. belligerent yeah. than ever. I finally just blocked all the numbskulls that are uh, try, were trying to besiege me with, with the anti vaccine conspiracies. 
I, you know, I finally got to find, I don't really care if you get the vaccine or not. I used to care. I don't no. care anymore. You want to kill yourself? You want to kill your own family? So be it. You're actually playing into the hands of those who are controlling you. That's how stupid you are. Does it affect me out here and living in the middle of paradise? No, I'm, I'm insulated from the whole thing. So go ahead. Destroy your lives if that's what you choose to do. With the perversity and depravity associated with his ill-gotten gain and dishonest gain, I was provoked to anger. I lashed out at him, concealing myself to my displeasure. Nonetheless, he went on backsliding, walking in a rebellious fashion of his own thinking, his own way, and his own inclinations. This is Yashia 57.17. We, as humans, are exceedingly perverse. We make money in all the wrong ways. Whether it's you're on welfare or food stamps or some kind of, uh, of government handout, that's not honest. Whether you're uh, working for somebody and, uh, and, like so many here, spending a third of the day on your cell phone, that's not honest. Selling drugs for a living, that's not honest. Prostitution, that's not honest. There are very few people that put in really an honest day's work. And, of course, the worst of all are the religious clerics who are paid to deceive people or the politicians who are also paid handsomely to deceive. And God's provoked. He has ultimately said, all I can do is conceal myself. And no matter what I did, whether I lashed out at him, whether I concealed myself, didn't matter. My people continued to backslide, walking away in a rebellious fashion. There are no people on earth more rebellious of God than the Hasidic, than the Orthodox Jews. Amazing, isn't it? I have seen and considered his ways, but nonetheless, I will heal him. I will lead and guide him to reconciliation and restoration, providing comfort and compassion to him and to those who are grieving. Now, that group of, of people could be very small because he didn't say them. He said him. And when God is speaking of few, he uses singular pronouns quite often. That -hmm. was the case here. I got you. And so uh, he's telling us that... that Tiny group. While he is is exceedingly disappointed, while he has chastised the religious and the political, while he has concealed himself from the religious and political, and neither of those things did any good because they became all the more belligerent. Nonetheless, at the end, not because of who they are, but because of who he is and the promises he's made, he is still going to heal Israel and Yahudah. 
he's going to lead and guide them home to Shalem, reconciliation, providing comfort and compassion to those who are grieving. I was uh, doing the translations again this morning. One of the things that Yah was saying is that that uh, we should appear before him three times a year. There is Chag Matza, there is Chag Shabuah, and there is Chag Sukha. Now, that's actually a fairly profound thought because, first of all, for there to be a Chag Matza and not a Chag Pesach or a Chag Bakotam, it means that the preeminent event is Matza. Absolutely. And that puts the religious Jews in a hell of a pickle. Uh, and, the and, and the reason is because they uh, do a, uh, what I call a Canian version of Pesach, um, all vegetables, yes. no Good. lamb. Uh, and, okay. uh, and matzah is no longer celebrated. It's simply an ingredient that's part of Passover. And so the entire purpose and benefit of matzah, which is to remove the stench and stain and stigma of religion from our souls is completely ignored, and yet it is the overriding um, part of the celebration, part of the benefit, part of mm-hmm. God's plan. And so it is Chag Matzah, it is not Chag Pisak. And Chag Matzah under that umbrella are Pisak and Pakoram. So we become immortal, we become perfected, and then we're adopted. The very fact that Shabuah is, is a celebration unto itself is important because religious Jews don't celebrate it either. I think it became too Pentecost for them. And, uh, and so they, uh, they don't want to share anything with those wicked Christians. So they, they just don't celebrate it. But... If you don't celebrate Shabuah, there is no enrichment, there is no empowerment, there is no enlightenment. Oh, yeah. the, the purpose of Shabuah is to, is to bestow upon the immortal, perfected, and adopted children who have capitalized on Pesach, Matz, and Bakurim to equip them with an enrichment and an empowerment and an enlightenment such that they can then celebrate Chag Sukha. Now, Chag Sukha, being one entity, is also exceedingly profound for us. Our whole lives, part of this program, part of these books, everyone who is listening today, our lives are the living embodiment, if you will, of Teruah. We exist to call out a warning to against all of those who are uh, going the wrong direction because of religion and politics. And mm-hmm. we are constantly trying to draw everyone's attention to Yahweh's testimony, particularly right. his covenant, his name, and his uh, Torah, and his Moed Mikra. So the fact that Teruah is incorporated mm-hmm. within the umbrella of Teruah, Kaporam, and Sukkah tells us that the purpose of Teruah is directly integrated within Kaporam and Sukkah, and that the major event is Sukkah. So, mm-hmm. that says our witness 
as part of Teruwa is specifically designed so that more Yehudim and Yisraelites will avail themselves of Yahweh's promise of reconciliation so that more of us can enjoy the Sukkah celebration. That if we don't Teruah, there will be very few to avail themselves of Kaputim, which then forestalls the celebration of Sukkah. But if we do our job capitalizing on the enrichment and the enlightenment of Shabuwa, having mm-hmm. benefited becoming immortal and perfected and adopted into Yahweh's family on Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim through Chag Matzah, then we're in a position to be effective witnesses through Chag Sukkah, such Sukkah. that yeah. our testimony causes more to be reconciled so that the celebration of Sukkah is all the merrier. And that they overwhelming purpose of the fall mikrai is sukkah. It, just little things it also tells us, which is that that when we look to the menorah, uh, these, mm-hmm. uh, as I'm detailing Seven. sukkah, Yahweh actually transitions from his last comment about and uh, about each of the uh, of the seven mikrai. So he presents all of them in uh, Shemot, uh, Exodus. Each of here's each of the seven. After he finishes the last word on Sukkah, his next words are on the menorah. Now, very few people know that the transition, the juxtaposition between the Moed and the menorah, but it's there one word to the next. And what the Chag Matzah, Chag Shabua, Chag Sukkah mean is that those first three luminaries on the menorah are Pesach, Matz, and Bakudim. The last three mm-hmm. are Teruah, Kaporam, and Sukkah. The middle one is the one everybody wants to neglect. It's Shavuah. And so there's just so much to this story that uh, is interwoven and, and, and um, with all of it, it just helps us become much more effective uh, witnesses. So we're going to, uh, when we return next week, we will uh, reprise what we have just shared in Yashaya, probably 17 and 18. It's the conclusion uh-huh. of, uh, of Yashaya 57 uh, that um, I think is, uh, is so amazingly strong. We're going to talk about 57.19 and then uh, uh, 57.20, which is, uh, speaks about the, uh, the times that the world's about ready to descend into. Um, but it ends with uh, Yahweh summoning and proclaiming a message. And mm-hmm. particular one, which is Yashaya 58.1, it's the the, you know, who knows why there's chapter divisions, because it is the conclusion of what we're talking about. Is that's yeah. what we'll end our program uh, next week. Well, I'd hope to get there uh, this week, um, but we'll, we will most certainly get there next week. Um, this, this has been the greatest week. It is, so yeah. Far. It, it is. Long a, time. Res- this has been a goodie. Stuff yeah, it's a resounding message. 
uh, pertinent message for uh, for our time. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it's uh, all I can say is that uh, what you're going to hear next week is is powerful in terms of its insights and and where we are going. I can assure we're this is just one of the uh, many Tarua chapters that we skipped ahead to review, but there's more of these and and just on Kapuram alone, there were now in, in the uh, rewritten uh, text for what will be the Moed uh, volume of, of Yada Yah. Um, there are like four chapters now on Kapuram. God had a lot to say about Kapuram. You know, I I yeah. came to to you know when you when you're listening to God talk about um, uh, matzah, uh, particularly in the Torah, matzah is the event in the Torah that that gets Yahweh's undivided attention. I mean, matzah gets gets uh, blessed with every accolade that God has to throw at it. I mean, every profound word that uh, God can say why. about uh, about matzah. That's why it's, it's so sad that religious Jews have relegated it to an ingredient as opposed to the this, this oh, great celebration of uh, of life. Uh, but oh, when and when God then talks about uh, Kippurim, he doesn't say a lot about it in his Torah. Where he talks about Kippurim is through his prophets. Well, come to find out that the book of uh, of Zechariah, it's all about Kippurim. The entire book. Uh, you get a, a book like uh, Malachi. You know, these are the last two of Yah's prophets. The entire book is on Kippurim. So there's a lot to learn about Kippurim, and it all speaks to the times that we're in today and where we're going over these next uh, 12 years. So we we have a lot that's uh, in store. And I say now I'm I'm working on uh, on Sukkah, and um, when God says that it's Chag Sukkah and Chag Sukkah um, overrides Kaporam, which gets more prophetic ink than anything else that God talks about. Mm-hmm. That's a big. That's a big uh, statement. You uh, you know that uh, Sukkah is something that's near and dear to, uh, to uh-huh. God's heart as we all return to the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Great Joy. The earth is transformed for a thousand years into those perfect conditions, and then we all get to witness a new creation of a new universe, sitting by the Creator, as he explains, precisely what what he's doing. It is a uh, a marvelous story, and I look forward to sharing it. We'll be uh, together this time next week. And hopefully, uh, you know, the uh, the computer won't do a, uh, a complete uh, crash and burn in the, in the middle of the program. Because it is, you know, when you're dealing with uh, Yah's testimony in particular, with the commentary, uh, there was a period of time for about uh, 10 years, Kirk, where mm-hmm. uh, 100% of the commentary was, was ad-lib, was um, extemporaneous the uh, the day of the program. Mm-hmm. All we would do was... We would read the translations because you, you'd, God's word, you want to yeah. you, you be accurate. And in this program, we yeah. always read the, uh, the translations because we want to be accurate. We spend a lot of time creating them, and, and therefore I don't want to be callous or, uh, or 
take any chance that I'm going to paraphrase it incorrectly. Um, mm-hmm. But something changed um, about uh, a year ago that has become so much part of, of what we're doing that I find that it is now inappropriate to um, provide the commentary extemporaneously. And the, the reason is the difference in the way that Yah is uh, inspiring and, and, um, and enlightening the, the insights that we're sharing. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time when, when um, you know, he translated a passage and said, I think this is what, and what I would basically do is that this is what the words mean, and therefore, you know, you can, we can draw these conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't the case anymore. The case now is this is profoundly important to our lives because this is what God is telling us that is relevant to our relationship with him. And the way that those words then flow from uh, eyes to mind to fingers as they are entered into these books is is so profoundly different. Um, and some of the turns of phrase, and it's you, you begin to sense that I'm not doing this alone and that mm-hmm. I would be um, shortchanging our listeners if I weren't to share what I was learning um, as, mm-hmm. and as, it, as, as words became spoken words, thoughts, became the written words on the page. So there's a lot more of actually going through the, the, uh, the commentary. Now, that's such an odd thing for me because I've always preferred to be extemporaneous, uh, mm-hmm. impromptu. That's, 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 that's my style. That's what I enjoy. It's the advantage of going from knowing to understanding is that you can speak extemporaneously. Mm-hmm. And you, it's like, oh, yeah, you can be quick on your feet when you know the material. Um, but something transpired where it, it became obvious that God was really serious about this being a sign. You don't listen to signs, you read them. And so the written word became much more um, important. The written word became richer and more robust and more consistent with Yah's style. Biting of, uh, of religion. Condemning of religion. And celebratory of the relationship. Personal and celebratory of the relationship as is the case with everyone he speaks through. And so it became far more of a celebration of the written word and leaving a legacy of this, of this sign mm-hmm. than of just the spoken word. And so yeah, that's something that has, yeah. Yeah, has changed a lot. And I think that, uh, you know, you're now before these programs, I'll send you the chapter we're going to do and, and, you know, you'll, you'll study the, the words and the translations, but also the commentary it's changed a lot. 
Yeah. And the sense of uh, it's, it is truly a lot more profound and useful and properly directed to his people than it was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10, or most well, certainly 20 years ago. So uh, uh, those who are listening to this program. has been really, yeah. yeah, yeah if, if, you, if you read these books, you're going to find what we're speaking about. And there is a tremendous difference between listening to this program and reading this material. Because when you're reading it, and most people are going to read it, you know, these, uh, the, I'm looking at the, the books here. I have the whole uh, group of 20 that we have rewritten so far um, uh, on the, the desk here in front of me. And, you know, it's over two feet worth of just spines. Uh, and you, so you can buy the, the printed books. I would encourage you to do so. I'm reading them. I, I take them to bed with me at night. Uh, it's a, uh, I, I find it inspiring. But um, you can do that. But a lot of people are going to read it because we provide it free online. And the Yada Yada website, yadayah.com, is beautifully presented for, uh, for reading. And it's very easy to read on your, on your smartphone, on your cell phone. Um, the advantage of reading the electronic version is you can copy then any one of these transliterations, like where this says, uh, I will lead and guide him. And naka is the, uh, is the word, that's the verb. You can copy it with your with a, your uh, mouse, copy it, control C, and uh, bring up any browser search engine, whether you know you like uh, Google or whoever it is that you like, control V, paste it in there, and it'll bring you to five or six lexicons that will define that word for you. And you can see, does it really mean lead and guide? And so uh, there right. really is an advantage of that. The other advantage is that um, there are some passages that you read three or four times, and each time you read it, you learn something new, that your, your understanding of it grows, where you might read it the first time just in the, the bold which is the gist of what God is saying. The next time you might read all of the commentary, not the commentary, but all of the amplified translations within the Amplified, parenthetical. Yes. And the next time you, uh, you may say, well, I'm going to read the commentary so that I can understand the insights that, that are being provided by the translator and then go back and say, do I agree or disagree or can I go beyond what they have mm -hmm. presented? You can do all of that. You can do it at your pace. You can stop and, and go off and do a life's chore and then come back to it. Yeah, that's fun. So it is the written word oh, is tool. much more enduring, is much more powerful. And this program more and more now is devoted to the written word. And we do try, though, on occasion to bring in some, some news. Because on well, something like yeah. Afghanistan, which is where we began the show, it's just yeah, like if God mentions what yeah. we're doing in a prophecy, and in the end of, uh, of this one, uh, and one of the statements we read just moments ago, um, was certainly a, a reference to what we're doing. And it's God's way of saying, 
I'm endorsing this. Please listen. Please take advantage of it. Um, please thoughtfully consider what is being said here because it's, it's the truth about me and what, I, what I'd like to achieve in a relationship with you. But if we're the one lone voice in a world of 7 billion people saying that the Afghanistan war is going to turn out and we set every detail that we predicted in that war, as well as every detail we predicted in Iraq, turned out exactly as we said it would years ago. That when no one else was saying those things, and it turned out to be exactly that way, that should and it's a great source. Be, should be credibility. It should be say, yeah. well, what else does this person have to say? And, and when they talk about the subject that they're most passionate about, that they know the most about, which is how to develop a relationship with Yah, maybe I ought to listen. Just maybe. And uh, that's God's message, too. He wants us to listen. So yes. this time next week, we look yeah. forward to being with you, Kirk. It's always a, uh, yes, always a fun. Best to uh, you and yours, and we, uh, we're excited to be back with you uh, next week. Happy Shabbat to one and all. Good night. Shalom, shalom. Good night.